0: Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. There's a story uh, from the ancient Greek storyteller Aesop. And he and he tells this story, it's sort of a fable, in which he explains the reason why bats live in caves and only come out at night as the story goes, it, it, it's like this, he, there was a war between the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And so when the birds were winning the war, the bat would go, look at me, I'm a bird, I'm a bird, I can fly. When the beasts were winning the war, he would say, look at me, I'm a beast, I crawl, I crawl. Well, soon enough, the birds and the beasts caught on with what the, be- the bats were doing, and they decided together they were going to banish the bat into the caves and uh, they could only come out in the dark. You see, the bat was trying to please everybody, and in the end it didn't please anybody. The bat was compromising. What comes to your mind when you hear this word compromise? Or you define the word compromise? Well, if we look at the definition of the word, it is an agreement or a settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions. Each side makes what? Concessions. Concessions. You know, I've often been critical of um, the political parties in our country on both sides of the aisle because it doesn't matter how... Uh, what's best for the country No, no matter what's what's going on in the country neither side is willing to compromise they both you know stick to their guns and it doesn't matter it's all about them it doesn't matter what what's best for the country okay and I think that that um our country would be in a better place if our leaders would learn the art of compromise yeah and, you know, compromise, uh, so obviously compromise can be a good thing. It, 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 you know, again, in, in the area of politics, is probably a good thing. Uh, in the area of relationships, compromise is a good thing. You know, I've, uh, over the years, have counseled uh, couples that are going to get married or couples that have, are already married. And, and one of the things, and, you know, being married 32 years, that I've, I've had to learn is to compromise, Right. So, you know, I give in a little bit, she gives in because we want to avoid, you know, this getting out of hand. So, compromise, it is it seems obvious that it is a good thing. Compromise is a good thing to learn the area of compromise or the art of compromise. But is compromise safe in our spiritual realm? Hmm, yeah, yeah. Someone once said that uh, the compromise is simply to change the question to fit the answer. Now, notice that uh, in, the, in the definition of compromise, it's each side making concessions. Is it safe for us to make concessions in our spiritual lives? You know, uh, once in a while, I, I like to, I don't, I don't necessarily like to advertise Hollywood, but, you know, once in a while, they put out a, a good movie here and there. Uh, I I enjoy watching movies with a biblical theme. Yeah. Uh, Some years ago, there was a a movie about the Exodus. It was called uh, uh, Exodus Gods and Kings. Uh, um, Kristen Bale plays uh, Moses. And, and, you know, obviously it was about the Exodus, but primarily the the exchange between Pharaoh and Moses. And while, again, you you look at uh, these movies in Hollywood, they take a lot of creative license, don't they? They, they, they do this to, to, to drama. Some, some are better than others. This one wasn't as bad as some that, I, that I've seen out there. They tried a, a, a little bit to stay close to the, to the biblical script, but again, they always depart. But again, I, I was looking at this movie and, and, and looking at this exchange between Pharaoh and Moses and how Pharaoh was trying to get Moses to bend the rules a little bit. As if saying, let's compromise, Moses. You give in a little, I give in a little, and then we, we can both be happy. Yeah, yeah. But you know, as I look at this story, it, it reminds me of how Satan works. Because Satan is a master in the art of compromise. Let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 5. We'll spend a few minutes in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 5 in verse 1. Now, uh, you know, as we read as we start reading Exodus, we know that, uh, that that Moses is in the desert. God calls on Moses to set the Israelites free. Moses gives him a bunch of excuses. He did not want to do it, but eventually he he goes along. He he accepts the invitation uh, that God gives him. Cuz you know, Moses had to learn just like many of us that when God calls, we should not have to worry about the results for the success because God takes care of the success. Amen. All we need to do is respond to the call. okay? And so here, after 40 years of absence, Moses returns to Egypt and there he meets with his brother Aaron and they both go on in this important mission. Exodus chapter five verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus is the Lord God of Israel. Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh, of course, he is, he is the boss. He, he believes he is the slave's owner. So, so he doesn't know this God. So he, he could care less. He owns the slave. He doesn't know this God. So he doesn't want to hear anything about it. So notice how he responds. He asks, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let the, his, uh, Israel go. And of course, he is Pharaoh. He is uh, the, the, the ruler of the mightiest empire in the world. And so he's probably thinking, I told him, I'm not going to be bothered anymore because I'm the boss. What I say goes. And so I said, I don't want to do it. Don't bother me with this anymore. But what he didn't know is that God's judgments were about to start. And, and, and as we look at these judgments, each of these judgments were actually uh, judgments on the very gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And, and see, and, and the purpose behind these judgments was that, number one, that they, that they would acknowledge that the God who created the her- heaven and earth, that Jehovah was the only true God and the gods that they served were nothing. And then the other one was that they need—they need to recognize—they they need to let the Israelites go, and so the judgments, of course, start. Okay, but now what I want to bring out is Pharaoh's reaction. After each one of these plagues. Because, uh, you know, he is a wise politician. And so, again, he's trying to get Moses to enter into a compromise. And so, we we start reading about the the plagues. And and when we go to chapter 8, go to chapter 8 real quick, uh, verse 8. After the plague of the frogs, uh, Pharaoh seems to give in a little bit. A little bit. Notice Exodus 8, verse 8 entreat the lord that he may take away the frogs from me and my and from my people and i will let the people go that they may offer sacrifice to the lord now one of the things we we see about pharaoh in this story is that he consistently changed his mind you know, when, when, the, when the judgment started, when things got out of hand, he couldn't handle it anymore. Hey, Moses, come on over here. Ask God to take away the plague, and I will acquiesce and let your people go. And when, of course, Moses would pray and to take the, pl- the plague away, he would change his mind. He would change his mind. And so the plague continue. We'll go down further to verse 25. After the plague of the flies, he gives in a little bit more. Go. Sacrifice to your God in the land. See, he thought, well, listen, if the issue is you want to worship your God, if the issue is you want to offer sacrifice to the God, I have no problem with that. I mean, after all, I mean, I have my own gods. I, I, I like to worship my own gods. You know, I think you should go and sacrifice to the Lord, but do it where? In the land. Do it in the land. See, he wanted to keep control over, over the Israelites. Israelites. And Moses, of course, rejects this, this idea of compromise, uh, and, and he told them, no, the idea is for us to go a 3 days journey into the desert. Now, Pharaoh, again, he, is, he has his own strategy, so he is uh, letting the chain go a little bit more. Verse 28, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far. So notice now what happens here. Uh, again, uh, uh, sure, I will let your people go to offer sacrifices, but do it here. Do it in the land. But Moses didn't bite. So he said, okay, well, all right, let me, let me take this a little further. All right, so you're going you're gonna to leave. All right, that's fine. Go offer sacrifices, but don't go too far. Mm, don't go too far. I want to still see It's like parents. Don't go too far. I want to see you from here. And so this is what Pharaoh is, is, is doing. And, and, you know, of course, Moses learned a lot of patience in 40 years. And, but I, I would imagine that, that, uh, that, that Pharaoh was a bit frustrated as well. But, you know, Moses did not give in because he knew his mission. Let me say that again. Moses did not give in because he knew his mission. Do you know your mission? We have a mission as well, friends. And that is important when we, when we, when we talk about compromise. Uh-huh. So now, uh, uh, again, you know, the, the plagues continue. After the seventh plague, Pharaoh's advisors seem to have had enough. So Pharaoh's uh, advisors go to Pharaoh and say, listen, you need to let these people go. They're ruining our economy. They're ruining our country. And Pharaoh seems to uh, um, give in, you know, he at least listened to uh, consider what the advisors were saying. So you go to chapter 10 now. And verses 8 through 9. He says, go serve the Lord your God. But then he asked a question. Who are the ones that are going? Like he didn't really know the answer to that question. Go serve the Lord. But but by the way, who are the ones that are going? Moses said, verse 9, we we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. You've got to be out of your mind everybody's going, no, 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 that's not happening. You see, see Pharaoh knew what he had in the Israelites. He had, he had a, work, a work army, right? Uh, he can get everything done. Everybody, no, that's not happening. So he responds in verse 11, not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So, hold on, not everybody's going. You all go, the men go. Now, again, think about the strategy of Pharaoh here. Because I mean, if, you are, if you're a father, a, a, a husband, are you going to leave your family behind so they can stay in slavery in Egypt with Pharaoh? See, Pharaoh already knew this. And so Pharaoh's logic is probably thinking, you know, I'll just say, you men go. And, and, and since they are heads of family and parents and husbands, they're not going to want to go. And so all I can say is sit back and say, look. I let you go. You guys chose not to leave. You see how, how, how his strategy is working? Yeah, very nice, Pharaoh. But that didn't work, so the plagues continued. The eighth plague, uh, the plague of locusts. The ninth plague, the plague of darkness. And, 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 and after the plague of darkness, Mo, uh, Pharaoh seemed, again, to give in uh, just a little bit more. Verse 24, then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord... Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. He was very really nice. See, he realized, you know, Moses, what, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I know that I, you wouldn't leave your family. I, 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 listen, fine. Y- y'all can go. Take your kids with you too. That's fine. Just leave your herds and your flocks behind. Now think about it, if, if, if they were going to go offer sacrifices to the Lord, what, they, what were they going to use if they left the flocks and the herds behind? See, see, Pharaoh's idea was that he wanted to give the Israelites any excuse to come back, to come back to Egypt. Yeah? This is how Satan works, friends. And of course, uh, Moses didn't bite. Uh, he said in verse 26, our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. He knew his mission. And of course, we know that after that, the 10th plague comes, and eventually, of course, the Israelites are let go. But friends, there are important lessons in this story about how Satan works with us. Because if you look at your own life, in your own life, maybe times that you have fallen into sin, you probably noticed that it started with a series of missteps, small compromises here and there that led to bigger compromises. And before you know it, it led to your fall. That's the way it works. It's like a story of, of, of the three, or rather the little sisters of the poor who were going from door to door in a French city soliciting you know, money for the old people. And one nun called, out, uh, called at the house of a rich freethinker who said that he would give her a hundred francs or a thousand francs if she would just have one glass of champagne with him. And this was kind of an embarrassing situation. She was put on the spot, and so she hesitated. But, but then the, the hesitation was short. She, you know, after all, she thought, well, this is a thousand francs. I mean, I could buy a whole lot of food for the old people. So she said, all right, fine. And so they brought her the the bottle and the the glass, and she drank the cup, the first cup of of, uh, champagne. And after that, she said, and now, sir, give me another glass for another thousand francs. So you see how from one misstep it leads to the next? Compromise. And you know, friends, over the years, I have noticed, and probably you have noticed too, how compromise has sneaked in through the back door of the church. Mm? That happens because it happens in our lives individually. We tend to compromise, and when we tend to compromise, small compromise here, little bit of compromise there, before you know it, you're so far away from God that it is weakening you spiritually, and by extension, it weakens the church. We tend to give in. I give in a little here, I give in a little there. Nobody's the wiser. But friends, there are reasons for this. reasons why, and you may wonder why does this happen? Why is it that, that that the christians it's it's so easy for us to compromise with the world. In fact, I read somewhere that that one of the greatest challenges in Christianity today is how easily the Christian church conforms to the world. We have one foot in the church, the other foot in the world. And when that happens, we can't, it, it, we're not stable. I, I have at least uh, four reasons why, why Christians sometimes compromise with the world. You probably can think of others. Here's the first one. We indulge our own desires. We indulge our own desires. The Bible says we are sinful, right? We're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. We have a sinful nature. We are prone to do this. But you know what? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that when there is a temptation, God provides an open door for you to go through. The problem that that happens is that even though we see the door open, we don't want to go that way. Because we want to give in to our sinful desires. And have you noticed that when you give in once, it's easier to do it a second time? And then a third time? And before you know it, you're so far. Even though God has opened the door for you to escape, you don't choose to go that way. We don't fight, friends. We give in too easy. We indulge our own desires, and this is why we tend to compromise. We tend to, you know, give concessions with Satan, friends. It's not safe for us to give concessions with Satan, friends. Not safe. The second one is ignorance of God's Word. Ignorance of God's Word. Sometimes we live like the world because we simply don't know what God's standards are. In our context the Seventh-day Adventists, not only do we ignore uh, the standards in God's Word, but we ignore the standards of the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Can, I be, can I be straight with you folks? Hope you don't get mad at me. I'm going to say it anyway, Mary. You know, I, I had not planned on preaching this sermon this, today. I had not planned. I had... You know, remember we started our, our Present Truth series, and so we, I was going to continue with our Present Truth series. We'll pick up on that, uh, uh, no, not next week, but the following. But, but somehow God convicted me of talking about this. He has his, his reasons. Friends, God has standards in his Word, doesn't he? It, it, these are standards that are, that are intended to make us people, make us be holy people. To make us be different. First Peter 1 t- tells us that we, when we come to Christ, we are not to go back to, to living the life like that we did when we were in our ignorance before we came to know Jesus. We are not to live like we did before we came to know Christ. And we certainly shouldn't live and imitate the lives of those who don't know Jesus. There ought to be a difference between us. God has standards in his word. God has standards in the spirit of prophecy because it is part of, a, of, of, of the way he's working. And our standards haven't changed. The, the standards of Scripture have not changed. The culture changes. Society changes. But there's somehow some kind of belief that, that, that our standards should, should change according to society. And that should not be, friends. I was listening to Mark Finley when I was coming today, and he, he, there's a sermon he, he, uh, that he titled, uh, Adventists Are in Trouble. And he talks about this very thing. It's, I thought it was interesting that I, I, I was listening. I didn't know what he was going to say in this sermon, but I, but I am coming, driving to church, listening to this message, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. When it comes to the area of dress, when it comes to the area of entertainment, when it comes to the area of adornment, we become like the world. And, and you know what happens? Because a lot of us acknowledge that there are standards, that our church has standards that have always been there. When we come to Sabbath, to church on Sabbath, we keep those standards. Well, after all, I'm going to church on Sabbath. But when we leave the doors the rest of the week, totally different people. We look different, we talk different, we dress different, we adorn ourselves different. That should not be. The person we are here in the church should be the same person we are out there. We shouldn't be any different. And because we either ignore God's standards or because we choose to ignore God's standards, this is where we are. This is why it, the compromise has crept into the church. And it's weakened the church, friends. And a church that is weak cannot stand in and what we know it's coming. We need to be different, friends. We need to be different. We, uh, again, ignored, uh, the ignorance of God's word is one of the reasons why there's compromise in the church and in our own lives. The third one is fear of being labeled. Sometimes we worry more about what people think about us than what God thinks about us. We don't want to be called bigots or self-righteous or extremists. So again, the point here is that we don't want to stand out of the crowd. How many of you remember this old cartoon? It was a caricature, sort of like a game. Where's Waldo? Have you ever, remember Where's Waldo? I know that's some of you younger folks don't so probably, <laughs> what's that? Where's Waldo? I mean, they would have these caricatures uh, with lots of people and lots of different figures. And the idea is that you needed to find Waldo. Waldo was this little geeky looking guy with glasses on and a funny looking hat. And, and he was sort of in the middle of the crowd and you would have to find Waldo. He would not stand out. You have to really, really look to find Waldo. And at times, if we are in a crowd, people will probably have to look closely to find us. When we should be able to stand out. When sheep should be able to see, that's a Christian right there. That over there is a Seventh-day Adventist. But that's not the case anymore, friends. And that is to our own demise. Shame on us. Shame on us, friends. God calls us to holiness. We compromise to fit in. That should not be. And finally, um, misguided, and it's a misguided attempt to be relevant. Uh, you know, uh, again, times change, and, and we want to be relevant with the culture and the youth, and, th- and those things are important. Trust me, they're important. A lot of times we need to find ways to repackage uh, uh, what we believe so that it's very better understood by some of the younger generation. But at times, friends, we sort of... Give in and we actually compromise what we believe because we believe that that will be make us more relevant. And some of the, the hallmarks of what we Seventh day Adventists believe I, I've heard people say this, oh, you know, we should not believe that anymore. Times have changed. Some of, some of the, the hallmarks of the three angels' messages that we have been, we'll be, been talking about and will continue to talk about, oh, we should not talk about that anymore. That's not politically correct. We should, we should revisit our, what, we, what we believe. Shame on us. A misguided attempt to be relevant. Friends, Jesus and the message of salvation are always going to be relevant. That's not going to change. We don't have to compromise to make them relevant. And again, you may think about others. The, rea- the reality is that when we think about the story of the Exodus, it would have been inconceivable for God to free the Israelites and leave them in Egypt. Yeah, they're in enemy territory, Pharaoh, at the mercy of Pharaoh. It would have been a contradiction. None of Pharaoh's compromises were accepted because Moses understood what? His mission. His mission. What is your mission? Do you understand your mission? We have a mission given to us by God. And because of that mission, Moses didn't give in. Because of that mission, we shouldn't either. Come now. Come now. God told uh, Moses therefore I will send you to Pharaoh and, and that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now if Egypt is a symbol of the world and Pharaoh is a symbol of Satan friends then the uh, the, the teaching is clear it is impossible for us to experience redemption and still be in the world. It's impossible. And as God was clear, his intention was to lead his people out of Egypt because freedom was impossible within his borders. So, to spiritual freedom is a clear call to come out of the world, for us to be different than the world around us. See, Satan will always want to bargain with you. Yeah, Satan will say, "Oh, you want to keep the Sabbath? Yeah, fine, keep the Sabbath. After all, it is the seventh day of the week." You don't have to get baptized. Come on. Why are you going to get baptized? I mean, that, that's taking things to the extreme. You don't want to be called fanatical. Don't go to that extreme. Yeah, that's, that's the way Satan works, right? Yeah. And many Christians are falling for this, friends. They say uh, they want to serve God, and they listen to Satan's subtle messages. And so they rationalize, okay, um, yeah, I, I won't do this, and I won't do that, but I think I can, can give in here. I can, this, is, this, this part is not such a big deal. We, 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 we determine what's a big deal or what's not a big deal, right? Yeah, we, we say, well, okay, I will offer sacrifices, I'll just do it in the land. Or, or I will offer it, but I just won't go too far. Friends, that's not the way we ought to be doing things. You know, compromise, in my opinion, uh, begins with leaving your first love. Like the church of uh, Ephesus and uh in Revelation, they left their first love. This leads to compromise, which ultimately leads to immorality and idolatry and other sins. You show me a person who has lost their connection or, or don't have, doesn't have a close fellowship with God, and I will show you a person that is en route to bigger problems. It's only a matter of time. And so the best antidote to the allurements and to the temptations of the world is a passionate, loving, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And if there's a breakdown in that relationship, it's only a matter of time until compromise becomes a way of life. Becomes a way of life. And you start lowering your standards here and there. And this is what we've been seeing, friends. We've been lowering our standards. Keep your guard up. Stay close to Jesus. Let the fire of that first love burn brightly. And, friends, you'll be strong. Now it doesn't mean you'll be perfect it doesn't mean that you won't battle with these things but you will have the power and resolve that you need to live a life that pleases God. On security lies in responding like Moses did. Absolutely not. No compromise is acceptable. The order is to come out. To come out. And Jesus said it well uh, when he said in our scripture reading, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one or love the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have one foot in the church, one foot in the world. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You know, there's a sort of an interesting story about um, um, a hunter and a bear. It was winter. Winter was coming. And uh, a hunter went out to meet, uh, to, to the forest to shoot a bear out of which he planned to make a warm coat. And by and by, he saw the bear coming toward him and he raised his gun. And he raised his gun and took aim. Wait, said the bear. Why are you going to shoot me? Well, because I'm cold said the hunter. The bear said, okay, well, I'm hungry. Tell you what, let's enter into some compromise here. Well, in the end, the hunter was well enveloped in the bear's fur, and the bear had eaten his dinner. See, we all lose out when we try to compromise with sin. In the end, it will destroy us. It will destroy us. William Jennings, uh, the writer... Said that um, this is very interesting. I, I, I think we I need to post this somewhere. He said, "Never be afraid to stand with the minority that is right. For the minority which is right will someday be the majority. Always be afraid to stand with the majority that is wrong. For the majority that is wrong will someday be the minority." And Ellen White said it this way in the book of Education, page 57. The greatest want of the world is a want of men. And and she uses the men generically to mean everybody. Men who will not be bought or sold. Men who in their innermost souls are true and honest. Men who do not fear to call sin by its right name. Men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. And friends, that's the kind of Christian that I want to be, don't you? But you know, even, even though um, we, we may fall and, and we may fail in, in, in certain circumstances, isn't it great, again, the, the song that Bradley and Curtis sang, that God is always merciful. And that Jesus will hold us fast. He will hold us fast through these times. But again, this is the kind of Christian that you want, that I want to be. And it will take commitment and surrender. And so, as we finish today, I'm going to ask Lizbeth to come forward. And she will sing this song, He Will Hold Us Fast. And if this is the kind of Christian you want to be, because this is a Christian that I want to be and maybe you acknowledge that maybe you have been compromising in in your life, but you don't want to do that anymore, and you need the power of God, and and, and you want to really commit and surrender to Him, as she sings, I would ask you to come forward, and we'll have a special prayer. Who's back?
1: When I fear my faith will fall, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I can never keep my hold through thy fearful path, for my Lord Is often cold he must hold me firm. fast, precious in His holy sight, He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost, His promises shall last, but by Him at such a cost.
0: It isn't uh, an easy thing to acknowledge that maybe you have compromised. God knows what's in your heart. And what we're we're thankful for is that in spite of the times that maybe we have done it, God holds us fast. I told you that, that, that this message wasn't something I had planned to give. And maybe it's because God intended it to be for me. Because I must acknowledge that I've compromised. That I've noticed it. But I want to be faithful to God, don't you? I want to be the kind of Christian that will stand firm. And I know that's your desire too. And God has provided the way for you to do it. Just commit and surrender to him. And if you like to do that today, just... Stand where you are, and we'll have our closing prayer. Father, we thank you again for your word. Because in it we find stories that are so clear that we can apply to our own lives, our own situations. Oh, Father, you, you want us to be ready to have an encounter with Jesus. We know that day is coming soon, but it, it, it could be, Lord, that because we, because of our own decisions uh, are, are a bit weak and maybe are not really prepared to meet Jesus when he comes, we know that we have faltered in many ways. We know that in many ways we have compromised with the world. Lord, point those things out clearly to us and help us to make the adjustments necessary so that in all things... We will be a reflection of who you are here in the church, but especially out there the rest of the week. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the promises. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.